It is Thursday, February 22nd, 2024, and this is Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Kellams. Today, community members are concerned about the rise in deportations of Marshallese people in Washington County. Not just from myself, the whole entire community is on edge, simply put. We don't know what's going to happen next. Plus the challenges and joys of singing Sondheim on stage. Which is amazing because it provides you to be so present and in the moment. Because if you think for a second, it's going to miss you by. <laughs> and a night of EDM at the momentary. Really focusing on what electronic means like um, when it comes to music. Details about Momentous. That's after a roundup of the hour's news from NPR. Walton Arts Center presents To Kill a Mockingbird on stage April 16th to the 21st. Harper Lee's novel has been adapted for the stage by Aaron Sorkin, directed by Bartlett Scher, and stars Richard Thomas as Atticus Finch. Tickets and information at waltonartscenter.org. This is Ozarks at Large for Thursday, February 22nd, 2024. I'm Matthew Moore. Ozarks at Large is a production of 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the University of Arkansas. Later on our show, a half dozen tier one venture capital firms were in Northwest Arkansas this week to meet up with local startups. We'll learn more in this week's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal later this hour. First today, more than 20 Marshallese men from Northwest Arkansas have been detained by U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement. However, Residents of the Marshall Islands are legally allowed to live and work in the United States and are considered lawful non-immigrants. A recent agenda item at the Washington County Quorum Court brought out community members to protest and speak out against the action being taken in the region. Ozarks at Large's Rachel Sanchez-Smith reports. At the Quorum Courthouse in Fayetteville, Arkansas, Serene Balkane, a Marshallese middle schooler from Springdale spoke in front of a room of 40 to 50 adults peering over her shoulder. Watching silently, the 13 justices of the peace sat in a semicircle in front of her. Serene adjusted the bulky white seat and told the justices that her dad was taken last month. Miss Serene, will you come closer to that mic so we can make sure and hear you? Thank you, young lady. Mm-hmm. I am here today because... Um, my dad, um, on January 1st, um, there was people that came and took my dad, and I didn't know what really happened, but ever since this year started, um, I, I, me and my siblings and my mom have been struggling because my dad has, my dad was not here to be by our side and protect us. Serene, wiping away tears, told the court. I just want to say that I want my dad back. And the last time I saw my dad was last year. And, and I just really miss him. And that's all. Serene is joined by many other members of the Marshallese community who were speaking out against SCAP, the State Criminal Alien Assistance Program, and the recent deportations of over 20 Marshallese men last month. 
SCAP is a voluntary program that pays county jails for information about undocumented people. People qualify if they've been convicted of one felony or two misdemeanors and have spent more than four days in jail. Those names are then sent to the federal government and the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency, or ICE. Carolina Edwina, who works with the Marshall Islands Consulate, tells the court why she believes the Marshallese are being unfairly targeted. She says that SCAP is like a fishing net and that it takes everyone and doesn't care who it takes. You are taking fathers who have served their time, sons who are taking care of their elderlies that we brought back from the marshals because they're sick. You are taking sons and daughters that have changed their lives. We're not asking you to release criminals or people that have crimes. We are just asking that you do not participate in the SCAP program because we are not illegals. Leo Tucker, founding director and lead attorney for Arkansas Immigration Defense, says that because of a treaty called the Compacts of Free Association, the Marshallese can live in the U.S. legally. They have a special legal status, unlike most immigrants. So they don't have to go through a consular process. You know, they don't have to go to the, the embassy or the U.S. consulate in their home country before they come. They can just come legally through this compact. So it's a huge, huge gift that most of the world does not have. Tucker says that even unlawful residents get some protection from deportation. But depending on the crime that they may have been charged with, they can still be deported. There's a really complex area of immigration law called crimigration. When you're here and you're not a U.S. citizen, and different crimes can create different complications for people. Tucker says that ICE can deport people anytime and anywhere, even if someone is suspected of being undocumented. So they'll be uh, maybe picked up at their homes, maybe at their jobs, maybe, um, you know, abiding by the law and going to their probation officer, check in, and there will be um, a few ICE agents there, take them to the jail, possibly. Tucker claims that while deportation is legal for Marshallese people in some instances, getting paid for detaining them may not be. Marshallese folks do not qualify for reimbursement by the federal government because of their lawful presence. So it seems like we may have been billing the federal government and being paid by the federal government unlawfully, which um, is comical that we're doing something to hurt ourselves and getting paid for it illegally. The compact was set up after the legacy of nuclear damage from the U.S. on the islands in the 40s and 50s. These nuclear tests were in some cases about 1,000 times more powerful than the atomic bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima during World War II. Stephanie Takamaru from the Arkansas Coalition of Marshallese says the nuclear legacy that we've hold, held in our islands, in the Marshall Islands, is still there. When you talk about being nuked and tested with atomic bombs and, and we were guinea pigs, I mean, that's already going to be a given. It's sad because you've had kids that have moved here when they were one year old, they're now they're still considered COFA citizens. They've grown up here. They've heard about it. They know that that's their homeland, but it's not where their identity is because they've already established family here in the States now. 
Out of the 187 names that Washington County will submit for the grant, 109 of those names were of Marshallese descent. That's about 60% of the names sent to ICE. Advocates claim that the program incentivizes ICE to detain individuals where the nearest holding facility is almost seven hours away in Louisiana. If deportation occurs, the petitioner is barred from entering the U.S. for at least 10 years and the deportation order will remain on their permanent record. A lot of it is you're splitting up a lot of family members. Um, majority of the detainees were male. So what's going on is you have a lot of our typical mothers, wives that stay home, take care of the household, the needs, take care of the children. What's happening is when you take the whole entire sole provider of that household, now you're forcing these mothers that have U.S. citizen kids that her husband's paying taxes into the system. She's now has her hands tied and she now has to rely on the government for a food stamp. For now, her advice to the many fearful community members is to brace themselves. Just in case now that scabs passed, um, two misdemeanor charges, you might get picked up for it. Just be careful. If you pled guilty for jaywalking, if you pled guilty for minor stuff or misdemeanors, I mean, we see people jaywalking. If they pled guilty, I mean, is this where the sheriff's going to share the information again? Um, so it's just very unnerving right now um, with our people. Supporters of the program say that the county jail should get reimbursed for its expenses. Washington County Sheriff Jay Cantrell says that the county will receive a little over $117,000 for the list of names. Hey, let's face it, the jail is an expensive uh, endeavor. House, there's a lot of uh, liability that goes with the jail, uh, you know, with federal lawsuits and with different things. The sheriff says that the money the federal government provides goes towards things like beds, detainee supplies, and other expenses associated with the jail and its $25 million budget. So I think we owe it to the citizenry to, if, if we have a chance to to uh, get recoup some of those costs, even you know a hundred thousand, one hundred seventeen thousand doesn't seem very much compared to twenty five million. The ordinance ended up passing in a nine to four vote to approve the funding. As Stephanie Takamaru is fielding calls from concerned Marshallese folks, she says that she's at a bit of a loss for what to tell them. Not just from myself, the whole entire community is on edge. Simply put, we don't know what's going to happen next. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Rachel Sanchez-Smith. In our second half hour today, the national touring production of Company includes the Sondheim songs that earned six Tony Awards when the musical debuted in 1970. But there are updates. Those changes, they, they seem subtle um, because it's like, hey, we're just doing this quick flip, right? But like the impact that it makes, I think, culturally, socially, uh, and musically is actually uh, pretty big. Two of the actors and company now on stage at Walton Arts Center ahead on today's Ozarks at Large.
This is Ozarks at Large. I'm Matthew Moore. The Hispanic Women's Organization of Arkansas is again accepting applications for a series of $1,500 scholarships. Rebecca Soto, the development officer for HWOA, says the scholarships are available to any Latino student interested in furthering their education beyond high school. Even if they're college students currently that, you know, are looking for a scholarship, we're more than happy to receive their application. Of course, we cannot guarantee the scholarship to anyone, but they're more than than welcome to um, apply for it and their application will be reviewed. Soto says traditional and non-traditional students, women and men, can apply and the scholarships can be awarded to recipients throughout the state. The money can be used to further education at vocational two-year and four-year schools. There's years where we've awarded 40 scholarships. Um, Last year, we actually did 25, and it is our goal to continue increasing not only the number of scholarship recipients, but also the number or like the amount of the scholarship, knowing that, of course, tuition increases, the the cost of books increases as well. So we want to make sure that, you know, we are of financial assistance to them. We understand we're not a full-ride scholarship, but at least we want to give them that stepping stone. Since starting the program in 2000, the HWOA has given nearly 600 scholarships to Hispanic students in Arkansas. Scholarship applications can be found at hwoa.org. We'll hear more about the scholarship program on a future edition of Ozarks at Large. The 7th Black-Owned NWA Expo will be Saturday in the Fayetteville Town Center and around the town square from 11 until 4. Jay Merchant and Jasmine Hudson, co-founders of Black-Owned NWA, say the vendors participating include retailers, but also service-oriented businesses. We have everything from um, doctors, we have mental health professionals, we have fitness professionals, mm-hmm. um, mas- massage. Uh, Camo cleaning, yeah. shout out, yeah. Cleaning services, all of that. Hudson says the Black-Owned NWA Expo takes place each August for National Black-Owned Business Month and in February for Black History Month. She says the contacts businesses make help both consumers and business owners. We get a lot of emails from our, you know, colleagues in the vendor community that say like, hey, you know, I made a month's worth of sales in a couple of hours. You're making an impact. Or I can't wait to tell my other um, entrepreneur friend to sign up because this was so substantial and impactful to my business. Saturday's expo at the Fayetteville Town Center will include food trucks and is open to the public and free of charge. Projects in Crawford County will receive more than $330,000 from the Arkansas Department of Parks, Heritage, and Tourism. The matching grants include $210,000 to install play equipment and construct bathrooms at Cristello Park in Alma and $135,000 to install a walking trail at Diamond Center Complex. Other matching grants will be used to construct a splash pad and other amenities at the Madison County Walking Trail Park in Huntsville and for upgrades at Westside Park in Ozark. The grants are part of a $4.3 million series of grants awarded to projects in 29 counties. Some of the grants are facilities for underdevelopment or fun grants for mostly rural parts of the state. The Arkansas Razorback indoor track teams will host the SEC Championships Friday and Saturday at the Randall Tyson Track Center. The women are ranked number one in the nation, and the men are ranked third. Both squads are defending national champions. 
And the newly formed Fort Smith Marshals has announced their 2024 schedule will begin May 23rd with a four-game opening series at home. The Marshals will play in the Mid-America League with four teams located in Texas and one in Joplin, Missouri. The team will play their first series at Crowder Field at the University of Arkansas at Fort Smith. Details about tickets and the rest of the schedule can be found at fortsmithmarshals.com. Time now for today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. I'm Paul Gatling. McClelland Consulting Engineers, that's one of the state's largest civil engineering firms with 150 employees, has opened an office in Rogers. The Little Rock-based company is leasing space on the second floor of the Tower 2 office building on Pinnacle Point Drive. That's in the city's Pinnacle Hills area west of Interstate 49. Chief Executive Byron Hicks said opening an office in Benton County is part of the firm's long-range planning. The Little Rock-based company also has offices in Fayetteville and Fort Smith. We reported that news this week online, and you can find that story at nwabusinessjournal.com. There's more news after the break, including an interview with Serafina Leilani with the Northwest Arkansas Council. You're listening to the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. More at ArkansasStateChamber.com. Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield. For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create healthcare solutions for individuals and businesses. Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Live fearless. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com. First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas, and it shows in your banking experience. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. That's because First Security is 100% focused on serving customers all across the state and nowhere else. It's local banking with local commitment. First Security. Bank better. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. The Northwest Arkansas Council is hosting six Tier 1 venture capital firms in Northwest Arkansas this week in a series designed to help lower the barrier of entry to access early stage capital for local startups. Through the VC Immersion series, startup leaders and founders have the opportunity to meet one-on-one with venture capital firms and receive opportunities for funding, mentorship, and networking. The VC Immersion Series hosted firms from Kansas City, San Francisco, Miami, St. Louis, Houston, and Los Angeles. And in aggregate, those firms represent over $1.3 billion in assets under management. To kick off the series, the Council hosted a welcome luncheon on Tuesday to connect the VC firms with local investors and industry leaders. And that's where I spoke with Serafina Leilani who heads up startup and VC development projects for the Northwest Arkansas Council. Well, the conversations have started long before they ever came into town, but I was always delighted to find that when we broached the subject and, you know, wanted to get them here engaged with the Northwest Arkansas ecosystem, that they were all in 
from you know the, the introduction. I think everyone has had some awareness about Big Blue and the kind of supplier talent that we have here and our expertise in the retail value chain and CPG. Um, there really hasn't been a concerted effort to present um, the ecosystem to the world. And so I see that as the role that we play at Startup NWA and curating those connections. Anytime you can reduce friction for firms looking to access deal flow, they're all in. Um, and, you know, I generalized statement, but it's probably true. Most of these funds are under indexing in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, all of these funds have not had, you know, any deal activity in the region. So we're hoping that this is a warm and inviting, you know, welcome to the ecosystem. But I, hopefully this results in more deal activity in the region. What are some other programmatic things? What are some other ideas and things that maybe you're planning for the rest of the year that are going to be following this up? I think we're, we'll be making an announcement in the next two to three weeks. So right. please let me, like, please follow up and I'll tell you more about <laughs> okay. it. I'm happy to. Uh, VC Merchants is a really big pillar of our, uh, our focus and our strategic plan. And um, that's all around addressing the gaps in access to capital, especially at the earliest stages. And so by that, I mean between pre-seed, say $25,000 to uh, Series A stage capital. How did you identify these, uh, I don't know, Mercury Fund or some guys I've talked with, but some of the other funds that were here? How did you, how did you identify those? Just through personal connections or just through what you thought would be uh, the best uh, interactions to make and connections to make here? Yeah, it was both tops down and bottoms up. So for one, we always start with the needs in the market. Um, and by that, I mean we're speaking to our entrepreneurs every day and we're understanding um, and digging into the data on sources like PitchBook or through our partners like Endeavor and Fort. 412 Angels, we're gleaning what the needs are at an ecosystem level. And so that so that gave us some focus around stage and sector. So once we had that um, in mind, we were able to go after the kinds of funds that specialize in those areas. And then, of course, I've been doing this work for the last almost a decade, and I'm really lucky to have great relationships with funds across the country. We're always happy to... Um, uh, you know, take up an opportunity to meet with other co-investors and relevant deal flow, and um, uh, and understand an ecosystem where they have you know a little awareness. Yeah. Do you think, um, in your mind, do you see these six funds going forth and being Northwest Arkansas ambassadors to to their friends and their their network? And maybe you'll have. 10 or 12 at the next event or something like that. Oh, absolutely. I think we'll start to see a flywheel effect. And so we already saw it on a small scale, right? Last October, we had Mercury Fund here. Um, that was their very first time coming into town um, with very little exposure into what was going on here at an ecosystem level. After that event, uh, we jumped on a phone call to talk about the experience. And they had um, told me that they are now committing to coming back into town four times a year. So can we do that at scale across all the funds that we bring to town? And can they go home and tell their peers about the awesome opportunities in Northwest Arkansas? Um, that's really the hypothesis here, but I'm starting to see indication that that's exactly how it'll play out. That's Serafina Lalani with the Northwest Arkansas Council. She focuses her work on startup and venture capital activity in Northwest Arkansas through one of the council's platforms, Startup NWA. You can learn more at StartupNWA.com.
In other news this week, Walmart is buying the smart TV maker Vizio for $2.3 billion as it attempts to expand its rapidly growing Walmart Connect advertising business to compete with Amazon. Walmart confirmed the deal Tuesday in its quarterly earnings call. For the full fiscal year, Walmart posted net income of $15.51 billion. That's up nearly 33% from the year-ago period. Revenue totaled $648.12 billion, up 6% year-over-year. Northwest Arkansas commercial real estate startup Loloft has hired Mary Best to lead the company's national expansion effort. Loloft co-founder and chief executive Brendan Howell said Best will lead the development team in charge of launching operations at new Loloft facilities across the country. Loloft has locations in downtown Rogers and, earlier this year, Phoenix. It's planning to open four more locations this year in Tampa Bay, Syracuse, New York, Minneapolis, and Portland, Oregon. Loloft is an acronym for Local Logistics Flexible Terms. The business model is similar to a regular co-working concept but is marketed to early stage or growing companies by offering architecturally designed office co-working with state-of-the-art private warehouse units on a flexible basis ranging from 125 to 5,000 square feet with lease terms starting at three months. First National Bank of NWA is expanding. The company has acquired land in downtown Rogers to build a new branch. The project is pending approval, but according to planning documents, the bank intends to build a 5,000 square foot branch at the southeast corner of South Arkansas and East Poplar Streets. Bank President Rob Husong said the bank will release more details about the planned location in the coming months. FNB NWA is a division of First National Bank of Fort Smith, which was chartered in 1872 and has 13 branches in the Fort Smith Metro. The company has six branch locations in Benton and Washington counties. There are two in Rogers and one each in Bentonville, Centerton, Lowell, and Fayetteville. You can find all of those stories at nwabusinessjournal.com where you can follow our reporting each and every day. I'm Paul Gatling and that's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening. This is Ozarks at Large, company with music by Stephen Sondheim and book by George Firth, debuted on Broadway in 1970. Then it was about Bobby, a man celebrating his 35th birthday with his friends. The National Touring Revival, now at Walton Arts Center, includes updates. The roles, for example, have switched genders. Yesterday, two of the actors in company came to the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio. Catherine Allison and James Earl Jones II are Sarah and Harry on stage, respectively. Catherine says Sondheim's score for company offers a variety of melodies. Which is amazing because it provides you to be so present and in the moment because if you think for a second, it's going to miss you by. (laughs) Um, And I personally, when I did it on Broadway, I understudied three of the wives in the show. So memorizing it from all of those different angles was wild. But... um, Again, that gives you that hyper-focus of there's nothing else that I can focus on but in this moment of being this character, trying to get Bobby's attention with this 
wonderful music that's being laid out. And so, yeah, it's difficult, but it's really fun. You know, it, it gets you going. I don't know. It makes me very excited to do the opening number every time we do it. How about you, James? Um, yeah. So I think that, um, I think that as an actor, no matter what show you're working on, no matter what you've done before, I think there's always something to be learned. There's always something that you discover. Um, I did uh, Sondheim on Sondheim um, in 2015 uh, at uh, Porchlight Music Theater in Chicago, where I live. And, you know, I really felt like, wow, I'm starting to really understand more about Sondheim, about his work, about who he is, about how he how he infused his genius into creating this music. And then um, I did Company in 2016, the, um, the original version at Writers Theatre. And um, when I did that, I felt like, well, now I really have a grasp of this music. And then we did it together in, in this new reimagined version. And it's like new choreography, um, uh, there are differences in the lyrics. There are differences in the music uh, that our um, our music supervisor Joel Fram worked out. And so it's like I am learning these new things, and it is not necessarily easy. But I guess that's also uh, the beauty of rehearsal, right? And uh, and also like we just had a music brush up rehearsal. And um, <laughs> our conductor, Charlie, was like, hey, you know, we're just going to have this brush up. We haven't actually had a brush up. You know, it's been like four months. Let's see what's going on. And we saw what was going on. <laughs> and uh, I, there was this great moment where he was like, we were singing this part. And he said, who all sings that? And myself and one other person raised their hands. He said, OK, that's not a real part. And I said, oh, okay. Uh, he said, so, uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, let's learn the real part. And um, you know what? I think it sounds amazing now. Uh, not that it didn't sound right, right before, right. you know, but uh, it's, it's nice to, to sing the actual notes. So. There is a reimagining. We don't want to give too much away, but there's a, there's a pretty big reimagining, isn't there? Indeed. Yeah, if you were to see this musical in 1970, you would see Bobby being played by a man. You'd be seeing Jamie being played by a woman as Amy. And you would be seeing Andy as Andy was played by a woman. And now I'm forgetting her name because we've done it so long. But yeah, so that that was, I think those those changes, they they seem subtle. Um, because it's like, hey, we're just doing this quick flip, right? But like the impact that it makes, I think, culturally, socially, uh, and musically is actually uh, pretty big. Mm. And and I think that that is that's what makes this show, I think, um, impactful in in just new and different and exciting ways. I think if you were to see the show and its original intent intent today with Bobby being played by a man, a man who's 35, who has three girlfriends, and he's whining about his life. I don't think <laughs> many people would be quite uh, enthused to watch that. Let alone sympathetic. Yes. Exactly. Right. Um, and so having Bobby being played by a woman, she has three boyfriends, 
she is surrounded by her best friends who who are married and they're asking her why why aren't you like us that's something that a lot of a lot of people can relate to um whether it's your parents or your friends um kind of nagging you about that situation um so uh, i think also when we come into terms talking about like bodily autonomy and the fact well i don't want to give that away in the show but i uh, there's just so many topics that are brought up by this change that i think are really exciting yeah company is also a show that hits you different when you see it at different ages mm. sure right yeah i mean yeah, so or um, perhaps perform at different ages. <laughs> uh, absolutely, uh, I will say that there, um, the comments that you hear from uh, friends, family, associates, or just people who have attended the show. Um, I, I personally have spoken to um, people after the show. Like we were, so we were doing an interview in Des Moines, and. Um, he didn't interview us. His name is Kurt. And Kurt was saying that he had a couple of friends who were like recently divorced, going through a divorce. And so it hit them differently. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there are people who um, who I, mean, I think, again, because this show speaks to so many different types of relationships and couples. Um, I think it is a conversation piece, certainly. Um, And so you have people who are newly in love and newly married and they're like, oh, I don't I don't I don't necessarily gravitate to that couple, but I do gravitate to that couple. And I understand the anxiety about getting married and having cold feet. And then you have the people like our um, our associate director, uh, Steve, he actually said that he really he really felt like he connected with us the most, right? He's like, you know, we've been in the game for a while, you know, and we find ways to navigate through our relationship that makes it work, even though it might seem a little quirky and odd to someone on the outside, right? Um, so I feel like when when people see this, um, there are so many different versions and so many different stages of those relationships that I think uh, speak to people in different ways. And the demographics that come sometimes, I mean, we have very young audience members sometimes, like uh, even yesterday, like we are in a college town, right? right. Mm-hmm. And there are, there were young women in the front three rows. I could see them and they were fully immersed in in Bobby's journey uh, played by uh, Brittany Coleman and and it's so it's just so interesting to see them engaged watching them watch the show watching them watch her and kind of figuring out for themselves like oh yeah do I like them enough I don't know if I like them enough maybe I like you know what maybe maybe, maybe I do you know what maybe I'm gonna leave here and I'm gonna I'm gonna give I'm gonna give my significant other a call and say you know what Two thumbs up. James Earl Jones II and Catherine Allison are two actors in the ensemble of the National Tour of Company. The musical is at Walton Art Center through Sunday afternoon. Our conversation took place at the Carver Center for Public Radio yesterday.
This is Leah Uribe, Professor of Music and Associate Dean at the University of Arkansas Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. We open Sound Perimeter today with The Unsung Collective, a Harlem community-based music collective devoted to celebrating stories of the black experience outside and within the Western art musical canon. They were performing the second movement of Winter from Max Richter's recomposed Vivaldi, The Four Seasons. German composer Max Richter took on the ambitious task of reimagining Antonio Vivaldi's iconic piece, The Four Seasons. In his avant-garde composition, Richter reclaims this popular piece of Baroque music and filters it through his own musical experience. In this movement, Richter creates an atmospheric accompaniment in the strings while preserving Vivaldi's solo violin line and its inherent beauty and emotion. This movement depicts a warm fire inside and cold rain pouring outside. That was the Unsung Collective, a Harlem community-based music ensemble conducted by Dr. Tyrone Clinton from a 2022 performance at the Phillips Episcopal Church in Harlem, New York, featuring violin soloist Michael Jorgensen. Colombian composer Carolina Calvache wrote ethereal for trombone and piano, thinking about the search for one's thoughts that fly on the air with no real beginning nor an end. This piece is the title track to Canadian brass trombonist Achilles Liermarkopoulos' album from 2017. In this evocative piece, the trombone intertwines with the delicate melodies of the piano, creating a sense of otherworldly beauty, nostalgia, and serenity. 
Today, in Sound Perimeter, we offered musical landscapes evoking winter scenes and endless thoughts as represented in music by composers Max Richter and Carolina Calvache. Learn more about our featured composers and performers in the program notes. This is Lia Uribe, Professor of Music and Associate Dean at the University of Arkansas Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. Sound Perimeter is a show written and hosted by me and produced by Sofia Nurani in KUAF 91.3 in Fayetteville, Arkansas. This segment is dedicated to diverse voices in and around music. I hope it will expand your knowledge and connection to inclusive sounds and let music infiltrate your lives and transform your realities. Have a beautiful, ethereal day. This is Ozarks at Large. Fans of EDM or electronic dance music might be happy to hear that the Momentary will be hosting Momentous, an electronic music festival, Saturday, March 9th. Ozarks at Large's Sophia Narani sat down with Laura Newell, the Associate Programmer for Music and Festivals at the Momentary, over Zoom to find out what attendees can expect. The Momentary first hosted Momentous in 2022, a one-night music festival that combined art and sound installations with electro-pop artists from around the globe. The 2022 campus-wide event brought artists like Arca and Fortet to Bentonville, hoping to ignite the electric music scene in northwest Arkansas. Laura Newell says the momentary constantly strives to bring diverse sounds, like EDM, to their stage. This year we started our Roadhouse Music Series, which, you know, ranged from everything from EDM to jazz to, you know, we have like a seated concert, all sorts of things. Um, and then we have our Freshgrass Festival that happens every year, um, which is our Bluegrass Festival. We've done Momentous once in the past before. Um, and then we have our Live on the Green Series, which is where we have all of our bigger concerts on Momentary Green. So we really try to offer music kind of all the time at the Momentary, but keep it pretty diverse. Laura says that the goal of Momentus specifically was to provide an upscale EDM experience in an art space, which hasn't been done before. And so they started it in 2022 and then, you know, kind of it's taken off from there. So this year, you know, we're, we're trying to expand and make it a bit bigger than it was last year or two years ago. So, yeah, it's like a taking EDM, but really focusing on what uh, electronic means, like um, when it comes to music. In addition, so it's kind of like four different elements that we're really excited about. So there is the music component um, that's happening and it's electronic music, but similar to how fresh grass is not, you know, your traditional bluegrass music, we're trying to do that with momentous. So like, even though it's electronic, headliner Dirtwire plays like stringed instruments um there's you know uh an act that plays a guitar there, so there's instruments laced within electronic that kind of encompasses what electronic music can be um so there's going to be multiple stages there's um lots of you know dj sets live instruments plenty of food um and the two headliners that are going to be there are Dirtwire and miramasa and 
the night before, um, we're, ho- we're hosting an official pre-party in conjunction with Format that's hosting um, Francois K and Don Brentz, um and several other acts. So that's really exciting to kind of bring back those hits that were at Format Festival this year and give them to the audience this year with uh, Momentus. In addition to musical acts like Dirt Wire and Muramasa, Momentus 2024 will also include performance art and other installations, which Laura says will set it apart from your typical EDM festival. Because you don't typically see like performance art with, with you know, EDM festival. And we have exhibitions that are live. So it's not only are they going to be experiencing this music festival, but there's also this like visual art element to it. And because we have changing exhibitions every year, like every time you attend Momentus, it's going to look a little bit different. So I think that's really exciting and unique and um, what what makes you Momentus special. Um, um, I actually went to my coworker and I asked if she wanted to be a part of this festival. She said, yeah. Um, so the curator performance has, you know, worked with this guest curator, Ren Peisner, out of Chicago, and they're bringing Relative Intensity Noise, which is uh, a, a series that she's been curating for a while of um, that fuses elements of sound and movement and live action t- together. Um, and there's going to be, so in addition to the music, there's going to be like 10 different performance artists that you can, all over the grounds, that you can go and watch their work and how they respond to sound and movement. Um, and then there's going to be a rabbit hole. NWA is going to be serving uh, food there. So in addition to, you know, having this great experience with the festival, you can also have really great food. So there's gonna, they're going to be in the Arvis Courtyard from about 6 to until they're sold out. And then we're adding this really fun element called the Container Club. Um, it's like a secret speakeasy that you have to find. And there's going to be this like password um, that you have to figure out. Um, but once you find the Container Club, like you won't be disappointed. It's, it's going to be really, really cool. Laura says that while Momentus will be catering to current EDM lovers in Northwest Arkansas, she's hoping to expand that audience. I've been an Arkansas native for... A long time uh, since I was born, <laughs> um, and I'm from Little Rock. But we had this like small um, but strong EDM scene in um, Little Rock, and I've just w- watched it grow as I've lived in Arkansas. So when, when I moved to NWA, um, I was really really shocked at the the growing scene here. Um, and there's several different community factors. There's like Weston Watson. There's these great influences like Backroom Arkansas and House of Uns that are really building this community um, to, to make it, you know, more prominent. Um, so there's, I would say there's a big community, but it's just like there is a need and a desire to have electronic music in Arkansas. It's just not really like, you know, when people think of electronic music, it's not really the first state that comes to mind. Like it's more like Denver or NYC, but, but we have like such a a desire and a scene here and talent from the local DJs that it's it's really, really growing. If EDM isn't your thing, Laura says the momentary has a lot in store for 2024. We have our Fresh Grass lineup just came out. Um, so that's going to be happening May 17th through the 18th. Um, we have some really exciting news that's going to come out this week and, um, and further into the months about our Live on the Green series. Uh, I think that it's going to be our biggest one yet. Um, but yeah, I think the, I think we have a lot of big things coming, as they say. 
in addition to these kind of bigger festivals, we're trying to like really focus in on maybe some smaller stuff. So we have a, we're starting a, a monthly um, nightclub. We're calling it Collide, um, where it's this, you know, be beautiful fusion of me and Cynthia's work together. But we're going to try and create, you know, this kind of nightclub scene here at the momentary and really focus in on our local artists and you know so try and provide this platform for big artists and local artists whenever we can for more information on momentous and how you can get tickets you can visit themomentary.org for ozarks at large i'm sophia narani this is ozarks at large a production of 91.3 kuaf fayetteville contributors today include rachel sanchez smith paul gatling leah uribe and Sophia Narani. Thanks to Stephanie Brock, who produces the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Matthew produced today's show inside the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2. I'll be with you tomorrow for another brand new edition of Ozarks at Large. Last night, uh, went to the Medium in Springdale. Yeah. They have this series, this monthly series called Table Talks. They put two creative people from completely different worlds together I like to that. talk about a subject. It was uh, Jason Jones, muralist and artist, along with Bernard Big Smooth Oliver, who is a filmmaker and heavyweight boxer. Oh. And we'll hear highlights from this. It was an amazing conversation, and they had similarities they didn't even know about. But we'll hear that a week or so. I love, I love when that sort of stuff happens. I do, too. Uh, so I talked about the Fort Smith Marshals earlier in our show. Yep. They've announced their schedule. Uh, they're playing in a league with uh, six teams total. Uh, two of the teams don't have mascots yet, but I wanted to lay out some of these for you because I think they're really great. So we've got the Sherman, Texas Shadowcats. Mm -hmm. We have the Piney Woods Timberhogs. I like that. Uh, of course, the Fort Smith Marshals. And I think maybe my favorite of the names is the Abilene Flying Bison. And I know why they're called the Flying Bison, and you'll get to know why, too, because I talked with the president of operations a couple of weeks ago in advance of this season, and he tells me why they're called the Flying Bison. That's what you call the ultimate forward promote, Kyle. That is the ultimate <laughs> forward promote. Hey, thank you for being with us. From the Carver Center, I'm Kyle Kellums. I'm Matthew Moore. Be well. Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art in Bentonville invites guests to explore nature's wonders at their exhibition, Exquisite Creatures, opening March 16th. The exhibit will showcase the colorful animals, plants, and minerals found in nature. Tickets and information at crystalbridges.org. Little Tinkers at the Scott Family Amazium is back on the second Saturday of each month starting in March and ending in May. The Amazium invites adults and children to be innovative thinkers and work together to try new things. Tickets and information at amazium.org.